Good morning, Grandma B here. I'm back. I did read another chapter in the book, and she mentioned some indigenous people, some people that were native Indians that uh, had severe, not severe, but they had um, these kind of Indians had... uh, respect for their elders and uh, they also respected life and death and it was a spiritual thing so kind of a hocus pocus uh, way of uh, introducing the spiritual being to the secular world through the indians so she and then she in one sentence she said uh, Yes, and people who have spiritual faith obviously have an easier time accepting uh, the the, uh, loss of someone's uh, cognitive ability, hence dementia. But uh, I'm thinking that if you're spiritually tapped into the Lord, into... uh, Abba Father, hence the Messiah, Uh, then you follow his orders and his orders are to accept every season we're in regardless of the circumstances. So accepting the season that I'm in has certainly helped me to cope with any kind of loss. Loss of mobility is another severe loss that people struggle with, and the frustration can be immense. Here again, uh, when I look at the spiritual side of it, accepting the season that we're in, regardless of the circumstances, is something that is very clear in Ecclesiastes and other places in the Bible. And uh, that has helped me to cope with it. So today is is actually um, an okay day to work. Yesterday we had Shabbat, and it was the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, so there was no work. We just took it easy, did, did no labor, no... Uh, only did the necessities to survive here. A couple of donkeys in the ditch. I think Fritz stepped in some poop and he had to have a quick bath. So that was traumatic. But it's to be expected with his declining ability to function. At the age of almost 16, he's actually doing pretty good for an almost 30-pound schnauzer. Uh, He eats, he has got a great appetite, and he meanders around like a pro. Sometimes he runs into things, and occasionally he he, uh, goes around in circles, and yes, he loses his sense of uh, urination, so we have to keep diapers out for him. But I think our other schnauzer, Kadima, uses them as well. So, and I wouldn't put it past Otto our big old puppy to do it. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. 
So I'm struggling with a little numbness in my hand, and I'm trying to figure out where that's coming from. That's definitely a nerve issue, and I'll be researching it and doing different things to try to relieve the numbness. It doesn't hurt, it's just annoying, and it's troublesome. So another thing that I've discovered is tapping. Tapping out a problem, tapping out anxiety. Tapping means you just start tapping, and then tapping helps you to think. So I'm tapping my fingers, trying to get them to wake up. Wake up, fingers! I don't like you when you're sleeping. Have you guys ever had something fall asleep, like an arm, a leg, a foot, a hand? My goodness, that's not right. Could be uh, a uh, lack of potassium. Or it could be... Well, let me research that and I'll get back to you. We had wonderful Shabbat readings. I have listened to them again and they were not bad for amateurs. Not bad at all. A lot of it can easily be understood by the layman. And I do think that that's important. Thank you guys for listening to our podcasts from our devotions. It sounds to me like the majority of our podcasts have been produced on the Shabbat when we do our reading because it is so, uh, we are so disciplined and we do stick with it and that's something we definitely can record more so than spontaneous talk. Spontaneous talk doesn't come naturally for everyone. It's something we have to work on. Some people actually study that in college. So I've never studied it, uh, and often I am speechless. Thank you again for tuning in. Shabbat Shalom. We come to you this morning, Lord, and we lift little Fritz up to you. Fritz was uh, such an awesome dog. He lived with us for 15 years and was part of our family. And yesterday he crossed the Rainbow Bridge. We had to take him in to help him along because he got pretty darn sick. Father God, you know he's buried right out here. And that's a blessing to us because we can always remember what an awesome dog you gave us all these years. Lord, Lord, help us to cope with the loss and help us to recognize uh, this is just part of life. As we come to you this Shabbat, bless our reading and make sure that we make good godly choices this week. Amen. Amen. Parashah 26, Leviticus 9.1. On the eighth day, Moses called Aaron, his sons, and the leaders of Israel, and said to Aaron, Take a male calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering, both without defect, and offer them before Adonai. 
Then tell the people of Israel. Take a male goat as a sin offering, and a calf, and a lamb, both a year old without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for peace offerings, to sacrifice before Adonai. Also a grain offering mixed with olive oil, because today Adonai is going to appear to you. They brought what Moses had ordered before the tent of meeting, and the whole community approached and stood before Adonai. Moses said, This is what Adonai has ordered you to do, so that the glory of Adonai will appear to you. Moses told Aaron, Approach the altar, offer your sin offering and burnt offering, and make atonement for yourself and the people. Then present the offering of the people and make atonement for them, as Adonai ordered. So Aaron approached the altar and slaughtered the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. The sons of Aaron presented the blood to him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar. Then he poured out the blood at the base of the altar. But the fat, the kidneys, the covering of the liver of the sin offering, he may go up and smoke on the altar, as Adonai had ordered Moses. The meat and the skin were burned up completely outside the camp. Next, he slaughtered the burnt offering. Aaron's sons brought him the blood, and he splashed it against all sides of the altar. They brought him the burnt offering, piece by piece, and the head, and he made them go up and smoke on the altar. He washed the inner organs and the lower parts of the legs and made them go up and smoke on top of the burnt offering on the altar. Then the people's offering was presented. He took the goat of the sin offering, which was for the people, slaughtered it and offered it for sin. Like the earlier sin offering, the burnt offering was presented and he offered it in the prescribed manner. The grain offering was presented. He took a handful of it and made it go up in smoke on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offering. He slaughtered the ox and the ram the people sacrifice his peace offering. Aaron's sons brought him the blood, which he splashed against all sides of the altar, and the fat of the ox and of the ram, the fat tail, the fat which covers the inner organs, the kidney, and the covering of the liver. They put the fat on the breasts and made the fat go up in smoke on the altar. The breasts and right thigh Aaron waved as a wave offering before Adonai, as Moses had ordered. Aaron raised his hands toward the people, blessed them, and came down from the from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, and peace offering. Moses and Aaron entered the tent of meeting, came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of Adonai appeared to all the people. Fire came forth from the presence of Adonai, consuming the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces.
But Nadav and Abihu, sons of Aaron, each took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and offered unauthorized fire before Adonai, something he had not ordered them to do. At this, fire came forth from the presence of Adonai and consumed them, so that they died in the presence of Adonai. And Moses said to Aaron, This is what Adonai said. Through those who are near me, I will be consecrated, and before all the people, I will be glorified. Aaron kept silent. Moses called Mishael and Etzaphon, sons of Uziel, Aaron's uncle, and told them, Come here and carry your cousins away from the front of the sanctuary to a place outside the camp. And they approached and carried them in their tunics out of the camp, as Moses had said. Then Moses told Aaron and his sons, Eleazar and Itamar, Don't unbind your hair or tear your clothes in mourning, so that it won't die and so that Adonai won't be angry with the entire community. Rather, let your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, mourn, because of the destruction Adonai brought about with his fire. Moreover, don't leave the entrance to the tent of meeting, or you will die, because Adonai's anointing oil is on you. Adonai said to Aaron, Don't drink any wine or other intoxicating liquor, neither you nor your sons with you, when you enter the tent of meeting, so that you will not die. This is the permanent regulation through all your generations, so that you will distinguish between the holy and the common, and between the unclean and the clean, and so that you will teach the people of Israel the laws of Adonai, as has told them through Moses. Moses said to Aaron, and to Eleazar and Edomar, his remaining sons, Take the grain offering left from the offerings for Adonai made by fire and eat it without leaven next to the altar, because it is especially holy. Eat it in a holy place, because it is your and your son's share of the offerings for Adonai made by fire. For this is what I have been ordered. The breast that was waved and the thigh that was raised you are to eat in a clean place you, your sons, and your daughters with you. For these are given as your and your children's share of the sacrifices of the peace offering presented by the people of Israel. They are to bring, <clears throat> bring the raised thigh and the waved breast along with the offerings of fat made by fire and wave it as a wave offering before Adonai. Then it will belong to you and your descendants with you as your perpetual share, as Adonai has ordered. Then Moses carefully investigated what had happened to the goat of the sin offering and discovered that it had been burned up. He became angry with Eleazar and Itamar, the remaining sons of Aaron, and asked, Why didn't you eat the sin offering in the area of the sanctuary, since it is especially holy? He gave it to you to take away the guilt of the community. 
to make atonement for them before Adonai. Look, its blood wasn't brought into the sanctuary. You should have eaten it there in the sanctuary as I ordered. Aaron answered Moses, Even though they offered their sin offering and burnt offering today, things like these has happened to me. If I had eaten the sin offering today, would it have pleased Adonai? On hearing this reply, Moses was satisfied. Adonai said to Moses and Aaron, Tell the people of Israel, These are the living creatures which you may eat among all the land animals. Any that has a separate hoof, which is completely divided and chews the cud, these animals you may eat. But you're not to eat those that only chew the cud or only have a separate hoof. For example, the camel, the coney, and the hare are unclean for you because they chew the cud but don't have a separate hoof. While the pig is unclean for you, because although it has a separate and completely divided hoof, it doesn't chew the cud. You are not to eat meat from these or touch their carcasses. They are unclean for you. Of all the things that live in the water, you may eat these. Anything in the water that has fins and scales whether in seas or in rivers, these you may eat. But everything in the seas and rivers without both fins and scales, of all the small water creatures and of all the living creatures in the water, is a detestable thing for you. Yes, these will be detestable for you and are not and are not to eat their meat. You are not to eat their meat, and you are to detest their carcasses. Whatever lacks fins and scales in the water is a detestable thing for you. The following creatures of the air are to be detestable for you. They are not to be eaten. They are a detestable thing. The eagle, the vulture, the osprey, the kite, the various kinds of buzzards, the various kinds of ravens, the ostrich, the screech owl, the seagull, the various kinds of hawks, the little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the horned owl, the pelican, the barn owl, the stork, the various kinds of herons, the hoopoe, and the bat. All winged swarming creatures that go on all fours are a detestable thing for you, except that of all winged swarming creatures that go on all fours. You may eat those that have jointed legs above their feet, enabling them to jump off the ground, especially of those you may eat the various kinds of locusts, grasshoppers, katydids, and crickets. But other than that, all winged swarming creatures having four feet are a detestable thing for you. The following will make you unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of them will be unclean until evening. 
and whoever picks up any part of their carcass is to wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Every animal that has a separate but incompletely divided hoof or that doesn't chew the cud is unclean for you. Anyone who touches them will become unclean. Whatever goes on its paws among all animals that go on all fours is unclean for you. Whoever touches its carcass will be unclean until evening. And whoever picks up its carcass is to wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. These are unclean for you. The following are unclean for you among the small creatures that swarm on the ground. The weasel, the mouse, the various kinds of lizards, the gecko, the land crocodile, the skink, the land lizard, and the chameleon. They are unclean crawling creatures. Whoever touches them when they are dead will be unclean until evening. Anything on which one of them falls when dead will become unclean. Wooden utensils, articles of clothing, leather, sacking, any utensil used for work. It must be put in the water and it will be unclean until evening. Then it will be clean. If one of them falls into a clay pot, whatever is in it will become unclean and you are to break the pot. Any food permitted to be eaten, that water from such a vessel gets on will become unclean. And any permitted liquid in such a vessel will become unclean. Anything on which any carcass part of theirs falls will become unclean. Whether oven or stove, it is to be broken in pieces. They are unclean and will be unclean for you. Although a spring or cistern for collecting water remains clean. But anyone who touches one of their carcasses will become unclean. If any carcass part of theirs falls on any kind of seed to be sown, it is, to be, it is clean. But if water is put on the seed and a carcass part of theirs falls on it, it is unclean for you. If an animal of any kind that you are permitted to eat dies, whoever touches its carcass will be unclean until evening. A person who eats meat from its carcass or carries its carcass is to wash his clothes. He will be unclean until evening. Any creature that swarms on the ground is detestable thing. It is not to be eaten. Whatever moves on its stomach, such as all fours or has many legs, all creatures that swarm on the ground, you are not to eat them because they are a detestable thing. You are not to make yourselves detestable with any of these swarming, crawling creatures. Do not make yourselves unclean with them. Do not defile yourselves with them. For I am Adonai your God. Therefore consecrate yourselves to be holy. For I am holy. And do not defile yourselves with any kind of swarming creature that moves along the ground. For I am Adonai who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore you are to be holy because I am holy. Such then is the law concerning animals 
flying creatures, all living creatures that move about in the water, and all creatures that swarm on the ground. Its purpose is to distinguish between the unclean and the clean, and between the creatures that may be eaten and those that may not be eaten. Oh, Father God, we I'd like to make a comment on this. I know many people think that all creatures are clean and nowadays anybody can eat anything they want and your rules don't mean anything anymore and this is done away with but father it makes sense to us and it's not doing any harm for us to obey your instructions and if other people choose to not obey them that's really none of our business but we we as of me and my house, me and our, us and our house, we will obey and follow your instructions. Thank you, Lord. And the next reading is... Samuel 2, 6, 1 through 7, 17. Again, David summoned all and picked troops, picked the troops of Israel, 30,000 men. And David, taking along the entire force he had with him then, set out for Barai Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which bears the name, the name of Adonai Tazavot enthroned above the caravan. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Avidan on the hill with Uzzah and Akya, the sons of Avidad, driving the new cart. They led it from the house of Avidad on the hill with the ark of God. Arki walked in front of the ark. David and the whole house of Israel celebrated in the presence of Adonai with all kinds of musical instruments made of cypress wood, including lyres, lutes, tambourines, rattles, and cymbals. When they arrived at Nacon's threshing floor, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah put out his hand to steady the ark of God. But Adonai's anger blazed up against Uzzah, and God struck him down on the spot for his offense, so that he died there by the ark of God. It upset David that Adonai had broken out against Uzzah. That place was called Peretz Uzzah, breaking out of Uzzah, ever since. David was frightened of Adonai that day. He asked, how can the ark of Adonai come to me? So David would not bring the ark of Adonai into the city of David. Rather, David took it over to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittai. The ark of Adonai stayed in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittai for three months. And Adonai blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. 
King David was told, Adonai has blessed the house of Ovid-Edom and anyone who belongs to him, thanks to the Ark of God. So David went and joyously brought the Ark of God up to the house of Ovid-Edom into the city of David. When those bearing the ark of Adonai had gone only six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted sheep. Then David danced and spun around with abandon before Adonai wearing a linen ritual vest. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of Adonai with shouting and the sound of the shofar. As the Ark of Adonai entered the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Shaul, watching from the window, saw King David leaping and spinning before Adonai, and she was filled with contempt for him. They brought the Ark of Adonai in and put it in its place inside the tent that David had set up for it. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before Adonai. When David had finished offering the burnt offering and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of Adonai Zavahot. Then he distributed to all the people of Israel, to everyone there, both men and women, a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a raisin cake, after which the people all left for their home. When David returned to bless his household, Michal, the daughter of Shaul, came out to meet him and said, Such honor the king of Israel earned for himself today, exposing himself before his servants, slave girls, like some vulgar exhibitionist. David answered to Michal, In the presence of Adonai, who chose me over your father and over everyone in his family to make me chief over Adonai's people over Israel. I will celebrate in the presence of Adonai. I will make myself still more contemptible than that, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes but those slave girls you mentioned will honor me. Mikkel, the daughter of Shaul, remained childless until the day she died. After the king had been living in his palace a while, and Adonai had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, Here, I'm living in a cedarwood palace, but the ark of God is kept in a tent. Nathan said to the king, Go do everything that is in your heart, for Adonai is with you. But that same night the word of Adonai came to Nathan. Go and tell my servant David that this is what Adonai says. You are going to build me a house to live in. Since the day I brought the people of Israel out of Egypt until today, I never lived in the house. Rather, I traveled in a tent and a tabernacle. 
Everywhere I traveled with all the people of Israel, did I ever speak a word of any of the tribes of Israel whom I ordered to shepherd me? People of Israel asking, why haven't you built me a cedar wood house? Therefore, say this to my servant, David, that this is what Adonai Zabaot says. I took you from the sheepyards, from following the sheep, to make you chief over my people, over Israel. I have been with you wherever you went. I have destroyed all your enemies ahead of you, and I am making your reputation great, like the reputations of the greatest people on earth. I will assign a place to my people, Israel. I will plant them there so that they can live in their own place without being disturbed anymore. The wicked will no longer oppress them as they did at the beginning, and as they did from the time I ordered judges to be over my people, Israel. Instead, I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, Adonai tells you that Adonai will make you a house. When your days come to an end and you sleep with your ancestors, I will establish one of your descendants to succeed you, one of your own flesh and blood, and I will set up his rulership. He will build a house for my name, and I will establish his royal throne forever. I will be a father for him, and he will be a son for me. If he does anything wrong, I will punish him with a rod and blows, just as everyone gets punished. Nevertheless, my grace will not leave him. As I took it away from Shaul, whom I removed from before you, Thus, your house and your kingdom will be made secure forever before you. Your throne will be set up forever. Nathan told David all these words as described this entire vision. Next, we have Acts 10.1 through 11.18. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a Roman officer in what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man, a God-fearer, as was his whole household. He gave generously to help the Jewish poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, around three o'clock, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at the angel, terrified. What is it, sir, he asked. Your prayers, replied the angel, and your acts of charity have gone up into God's presence so that he has you on his mind. Now send some men to Jaffa to bring back a man named Simon, also called Peter.
There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a Roman army officer in what was called the Italian Regiment. He was a devout man, a God-fearer, as was his whole household. He gave generously to help the Jewish poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, around three o'clock, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at the angel, terrified. What is it, sir? He asked. Your prayers, replied the angel, and your acts of charity have gone up to God, into God's presence so that he has you on his mind. Now send some men to Jaffa to bring back a man called Simon, also called Peter. He's staying with Simon the leather tanner, who has a house by the sea. As the angel that had spoken to him went away, Cornelius called two of his household slaves and one of his military aides, who was a godly man. He explained everything to them and sent them to Joppa. The next day, about noon, while they were still on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up onto the roof of the house to pray. He began to feel hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, he fell into a trance in which he saw heaven opened and something that looked like a large sheet being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals, crawling creatures, and wild birds. Then a voice came to him, Get up, Peter. But Peter said, No, sir, absolutely not. I have never eaten unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time, Stop treating as unclean what God has made clean. This happened three times, and the sheet was immediately taken back up into heaven. Peter was still puzzling over the meaning of the vision he had seen when the men Cornelius had sent, having inquired for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask if Simon, known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter's mind was still on the vision, the spirit said, Three men are looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and have no misgivings about going with them, because I myself have sent them. So Peter went down and said to the men, You were looking for me? Here I am. What brings you here? They answered, Cornelius. He's a Roman army officer, an upright man, and a God-fearer, a man highly regarded by the whole Jewish nation. And he was told by a holy angel to have you come to his house and listen to what you have to say. So Peter invited them to be his guests. The next day he got up and went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Jaffa. And he arrived at Caesarea the day after that. Cornelius was expecting them. He had already called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, 
Cornelius met him and fell prostrate at his feet. But Peter pulled him to his feet and said, Stand up. I myself am just a man. As he talked with him, Peter went inside and found many people gathered. He said to them, You are well aware that for a man who is a Jew to have close association with someone who belongs to another people or to come and visit him is something that just isn't done. But God has shown me not to call any person common or unclean. So when I was summonsed, I came without raising any questions. Tell me then, why did you send for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago around this time, I was at my afternoon prayers in my house when suddenly a man in shining clothes stood in front of me and said, God has heard your prayer and remembered your acts of charity. Now send to Joppa and ask for Simon, known as Peter. He is staying in the house of Simon, a leather tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now all of us are here in the presence of God to hear everything the Lord has ordered you to say. Then Peter addressed them. I now understand that God does not play favorites, but that whoever fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him no matter what people he belongs to. Here is the message that he sent to the sons of Israel, announcing shalom through Yeshua the Messiah, who is Lord of everything. You know what has been going on throughout Judah starting from the Galilee after the immersion that John proclaimed, how God anointed Yeshua from Nazareth with the Rock HaKodesh and with power. Now, how Yeshua went about doing good and healing all the people oppressed by the adversary, because God was with him. As for us, we are witnesses of everything he did both in the Judean countryside and in Jerusalem. They did away with him by hanging him on a stake, but God raised him up on the third day and let him be seen, not by all the people, but by witnesses God previously chosen, that is, by us, who ate and drank with him after he had risen again from the dead. Then he commanded us to proclaim and attest to the Jewish people that this man has been appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. All the prophets bear witness to him that everyone who puts his trust in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter was still saying these things when the Rahakadesh fell on all who were hearing the message. 
all the believers from the circumcision faction who had accompanied Peter were amazed that the gift of the Rach HaKodesh was also being poured out on the Goyim. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Peter's response was, Is anyone prepared to prohibit these people from being immersed in water? After all, they have received the Rachel Kadesh just as we did. And he ordered that they be immersed in the name of Yeshua the Messiah. Then they asked Peter to stay on with them for a few days. The emissaries and the brothers throughout Judah heard that the Goyim had received the word of God. But when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the members of the circumcision faction criticized him, saying, You went into the homes of uncircumcised men and even ate with them. In reply, Peter began explaining in detail what had actually happened. I was in the city of Jaffro praying, and in a trance I had a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came down to me. I looked inside and saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, crawling creatures, and wild birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter. Slaughter and eat. I said, No, sir, absolutely not. Nothing unclean or trife has ever entered my mouth. But the voice spoke again from heaven. Stop treating as unclean what God has made clean. This happened three times, and then everything was pulled back up into heaven. That very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where I was staying. And the Spirit told me to have no misgivings about going back with them. These six brothers also came with me, and we went into the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Jaffa and bring back Simon, known as Peter. He has a message for you which will enable you and your whole household to be saved. But I had hardly begun speaking when the Rachel Kodesh fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered that the Lord, what the Lord that the Lord had said, Jonathan used to immerse people in water, but you will be immersed in the Rachel Kodesh. Therefore, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us after we had come to put our trust in the Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who was I to stand in God's way? On hearing these things, they stopped objecting and began to praise God, saying, This means that God has enabled the Goyim as well to do repentance and have life.
Father God, what a great parashah. And how wonderful it is when your words and your Bible isn't taken out of context. So many Christians take this chapter in Acts out of context and context. And they say that this means everything we eat is clean. These sheets, when that sheet came down. But Lord, when we read on and read it carefully, we see that even Peter explains it, that he had that vision and then the three guys came. And it all it really meant is, hey, you have some unclean guys coming and you're supposed to accept them as clean. Had nothing to do with feeding or eating. So uh, thank you, Lord, for showing it to us and helping us to put it into words. We hope to get better at this every time we come up on it again. And we have certainly done that in the years past. This year has been a true blessing that you show us what is right and what is wrong. There's really no difference in the food rules. It also pertains to right and wrong. So uh, let us ponder that this week. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen.